In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. <clears throat> Please open with me Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. Few Bibles here if you don't have. <clears throat> the title of the chapter, A Song of Praise. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. Whenever the Bible in the Old Testament is telling us on that day, is pointing toward a certain day. It's the whole life of Christ. And when we read it now in the New Testament, it is today. The Lord said in Luke chapter 4, Today what you have heard has been fulfilled in your ears. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Maybe you are still coming, and after the two days we had together, still you don't feel you are in this strong city. It's encouraging you to claim it, to enjoy it. We have a strong city. God makes a salvation, its walls and rampart. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. After having the communion, after being one with Christ, after being planted with Him together, after being united with Him, as we explained in Romans 6.5, now open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. The nation that keeps faith, faith of receiving forgiveness, faith of He gave me the power, His divine power has given me everything that pertains to life and goodness, to offer forgiveness, and I forgave myself last night. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. If your mind is still shaken between the truth of the word of God and the lies that the devil may be inserted or instilled in your life, all your past is telling you a time of peace. You will keep him in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. I heard it a few times yesterday, I don't trust God anymore because what I have seen, what I have suffered. Now He is offering His perfect peace once more to you. He knew your weakness, He knew that you saw many things to blaspheme against His goodness. But it's time to trust Him more. Verse 4, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Is not shakable at all. What has been shaken is your faith, is your trust. But He is the rock eternal. And He is inviting us all this afternoon to enjoy this rock eternal once more. You might come this afternoon believing that it's fine to receive His forgiveness. I heard about offering forgiveness to others and I feel I can make it for a reason or another and by the help of the Holy Spirit and the help of the grace of God I can do it and I can forgive myself despite I have sinned for a long time and I was inconsiderate for a long time in my life but there is a crucial problem in my life I can't stop blaming God in the West it's called I can't forgive God for what He has done to me I'm sure every one of us has something in his mind. He can't forgive God because of the career I have today. It wasn't the one I have chosen. And I'm blaming God. You are the one who forced me in this direction. 
maybe sometimes you are blaming God that I don't have the right parents as we discussed yesterday which is again a false blame to God maybe you blame God because you failed to achieve something in your life whether it's studies something in your career whatever it is or you blame God because you had one or two relationships and both of them failed and now you are still in this grief of these relationships by all means the devil is trying to put in my mind God is the reason behind all these things our talk this afternoon is to say God has nothing to do with all these things he is a pantocrator, he is almighty but he is not the one who made your life miserable he is the one who is trying to restore every misery in my life and in your life So all of us ask this question, why me? Job said this in Job chapter 6 verse 24 Teach me and I will hold my tongue Cause me to understand wherein I have erred I, have, I did nothing wrong The wrong, it is God's actions Because the tongue of Job at that day Is the one of the most famous figures in the Bible to tell him why me? And I'm sure all of us at one point and maybe till now in a certain area of my life, why me? You name it. I don't want to name many cases, but I'm sure you can name it for yourself. He said more than that. In chapter 9, verse 21 and 22, Job was saying, I am blameless. It is your problem. I am blameless. Yet I don't know myself. I despise my life. It might be the words in your tongue, I despise my life. There's all one thing, therefore I say he destroys the blameless and the wicked. It doesn't matter with him. So why are you telling me, receive forgiveness, forgive others, forgive yourself, it doesn't matter at all. This was the tongue of the righteous Job on that day. Of course in his weakness. He added more than that. Moreover, Job continued his discourse and said, As God lives, who has taken away my justice? And the Almighty who has made my soul bitter. Are you in bitterness this afternoon? Job sees, and maybe you are with him, he sees that this bitterness is because of God. That's why I'm not ready to reconcile with him. I'm not ready to accept his work in me. He is the one who made my life miserable. He didn't protect me from abuse, verbal or physical or whatever sort of abuse when I was young. He didn't protect me or he didn't choose the right parents for me. He didn't give me the father or the mother I was looking for, as if you can. And why he didn't stop my colleagues or my teachers or whoever they are from bullying me or from affecting my life in such a negative way who has made my soul bitter Basically, if it's you saying it now tell him I'm releasing you from this false accusation you are not the one who is making my life bitter we'll see it in a few minutes how, and we, how we can understand such bitterness and the world sadly has such false assurance you are thinking right his three friends Job in the story, in the book of Job, was assuring him, you are right. There's two options, either God is bad and you are good, 
and God is good and you are bad. So they are adding more burden for him. In Job chapter 4, they were telling him, Remember now, whoever banishes being innocent, you are under the punishment of God, which is totally out of sense, out of context. God is not punishing us, He's disciplining His children, but not the one who is punishing us for something we have done. Or where, <clears throat> where the upright ever cut off, even as I have seen those who blow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same, which is true partially. Not for every thing. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of His anger they are consumed. You are now reaping what you have sown in your life. Whatever it is. So God is punishing you for what you have done. Whether ignorantly or intentionally. This was the nice words, sadly, of the friends of Job when he was in such great tribulation. And then he added more. Should a wise man answer with empty knowledge and fill himself with the east wind? Should he reason with unprofitable talk or by speeches with which he can do no good? Yes. You cast off fear and restrain prayer before God. For your iniquity teaches your mouth and you choose the tongue of the crafty. He didn't. But this is what the world is adding as a burden for you. You are a bad person. That's why you are in this situation. So, the devil is trying to put us in one of them. Either God is good and you are very bad, or God is not good because you are blameless and you don't know why he is doing such miserable things to you. Whatever your case is afternoon, the Lord is telling you it is neither or. It's totally different from what you are thinking. Let me share with you the three different kinds of, by most of the church fathers, most of the commentators, because the three kinds of the will of God, to know what is the will of God, and what sort of will of God in my life today. The first one is called the sovereign decretive will of God. And in this we have nothing to interfere, we receive only from Him. He said, in the book of Genesis chapter one, chapter 1, and then God said, let there be light. It's sovereign, decorative will. We can't do anything, just we enjoy the light. He said, let us make man according to our image and likeness. Sovereign, decorative will of God. He created according to his decrees. Let it be. And what he said, let it be, is for the enjoyment of man. Remember very well, he first created the paradise and everything, and then created man to enjoy it, if he will be in the obedience of God. In chapter 1, verse 26, he said, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. When, he came, when in his dec- sovereign decorative will, God let them have dominion over all creation. This is my original design. This is his decorative sovereign will. But in the second one, will tell us we have he is creating us with a free will. Second kind called preceptive will of God. The perceptive one, when he is telling us what to do and what not to do, to live or to die. 
says, for example, in Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before, before me. It's a choice. Now he's telling me what is wrong and what is right. He's saying you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. He's telling me what is right and what is wrong. But he's not forcing me to do any of them. If now I choose a partner in my life and he was or she wasn't the right one, not according to the will of God, or again, not according to the plan of God. He's telling me what is right, what is wrong, whom and how you can choose your partner. I choose it against the perceptive will of God. I have no right to blame him anymore. That's why finally in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19, he's telling us this receptive will of God is a choice either to be rewarded for an eternal life or eternal condemnation. To, be, to sing this song that Isaiah was telling us, we have a strong city, he's giving us the perfect <coughs> peace because we trust him or we choose our own ways as we discussed yesterday. The man who is following his own ways. That I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. They have said before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And remember here, <clears throat> you are not blaming God for your parents, for your four family, for your descendants, or for your big family, no. Because someone of them has chosen life or this, but you can break it, as we discussed yesterday. You can break this chain of this, and you can convert it to a chain of life for you and for your descendants. That's why the perceptive word of God is telling me you have a free will. If you are blaming God for someone who has <coughs> ruined or destroyed your life for a reason or another, a relative, a friend, whoever he is, the Lord is telling you and me, I have given you a free will as I have given you him a free will. And God is innocent from everything. It is through this perceptive will of God, everyone has the right to do whatever he wants. He will be rewarded and he will be uh, whether good or bad for what he has done. But still the offer is the same. He is offering every, for everyone to sit at the royal table. As Mephibosheth said, he was ready to give everything because he, see, he has seen the beauty of the king and the grace that is offered to him at the table of the king and he chose life and life eternal, not anything on earth. The third type of the grace of, of the will of God is dispensational will of God. What does it mean? <clears throat> St. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. This is the desire in his heart. Does it mean it will cancel the perceptive will of God? No. But because he is love, he wants and he desires everyone to be saved, all men to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. When we have such conference, even if you are listening to a talk on the internet or a tape or whatever it is, God is offering His desire for you to know and to be saved, to walk in the way of salvation. Otherwise, you will miss it. 
So the supreme decorative will of God it has nothing to do with us. He is saying let it be and it let it be. The perceptive will of God is my choice. He is telling me what is right and what is wrong and I'm going to reap it at what point. And the dispensational will of God is his desire towards every one of us. James is telling us it's time to take responsibility and don't lie to yourself and don't lay this responsibility toward God. He said, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. God is not in his mind at all to make you tempted. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But, and but he is pointing towards me and towards you. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth this. God has nothing to do with it at all. So please reconsider your situation. And in a few minutes we'll, we'll see, you can make a second choice. You have always an alternative redemptive plan from God. Despite all what has been done, all the blasphemies I have said with my mouth against His goodness. So again, let me summarize the three kinds of His will. The first one is a sovereign decorative will. He said, let it be for my enjoyment. And He gave me the dominion. His design, original design, I have the dominion. Then the perceptive will of God, where I have to choose life or death, blessing or curses, because He is telling me what is right and what is wrong. The final one, dispensational will of God, which means he, what He has as a desire for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And no, He is not tempting anyone by any sort of sin. Let me now show you one fact and two assumptions and we'll see if these assumptions are right or wrong the first fact God is almighty why he did not stop this wrong marriage why he didn't stop this abuse why he did not stop my father or my mother whoever is to do such things to me why? yes he is almighty but as we said he gave us all a free will the second assumption is if evil people are rewarded immediately with evil and the same for good people are rewarded by good. Which very rare. Not always true. Sometimes we see, I think someone said yesterday, why you are trying to be, to be so nice to the offender, the one whom I am going to forgive. We are not trying to be nice to him, we are trying to present the love of Christ in our heart. Because sometimes we are imagining God has to kill him right now. Why he allowed September 11th to be done? Why he didn't kill or stop those terrorists immediately? <coughs> He's not doing it as such at all. Second assumption, otherwise God is not good. If he cannot stop those people, he's not either not almighty or not good enough. Because he allowed such bad things to happen to us. Let us examine it in a few minutes. The first false assumption. This is Psalm 37. David was in the same dilemma like us. 
And this is exactly what he described and you can describe it in your life in the same way. I was so envious of the boastful. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, I'm walking with God, but I have no blessing as such people. They are very successful at work. People are listening to them and adoring them, but I am not. For there are no bangs in their death. Even their death was very easy. But their strength is firm. I am very weak and they are very firm in their strength. They are not in trouble as other men. But I am always in trouble. Since I commit my life to Christ, I am in trouble. So it's better to be far from Him. Nor they are plagued like other men. Therefore, bride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. And then he has a big list. Then we, if we jump to verse 17, until. I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. It's not a matter of how they are boastful today, or how much strength they have more than me today, until I went and I understood their end. Surely they set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation. As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. God is good, but He knew the proper timing for everything. If now you have been in such miserable status for any reason, please pray for your offender. Pray for the one who hurted you. Pray for the one whom you need to forgive. And leave it to God. Of course, David is telling us God is good and He is just. But it is not the desire of our heart to say, Lord, I am waiting the day to see what are you going to do for them in the end. Totally the opposite. We are praying for their salvation. To come back to their senses. And to receive and to enjoy God's forgiveness. That we are enjoying it today. So the first false assumption, there is no immediate reward for those evil people, but even for the good people. Wait and see. And again, wait and pray for the salvation of those who have offended you, to be really owning the heart of Christ. As St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, But we have the mind of Christ. We have the heart of Christ. We have the attitudes of Christ. Because we have been implanted together, united together in the Eucharist and every day we are reassuring ourselves of this unity. The second false assumption, which is God is not good if He leaves those evil people. No, God is good at all times. Psalm 107 and verse 1 to 3 say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. But don't look under your feet. Don't look to an event happened in your life or repeated in your times many times. Because His goodness and His mercy endures forever. And as we said yesterday, if I feel that His mercy, I need His mercy forever. Please see the other person, the offender, whoever it is, is in a great need and maybe more need than me and you for His mercy. Because what he has done, as we said yesterday, he was at one point abused by someone else and he did not receive a healing. That's why he became another abuser. Pray for him to end 
this chain of abuse because God is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's you and me. Say it, believe it, proclaim it, sing it. God is good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. We thank God that we are redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And he is now healing us. We are in a process of healing, as you said yesterday. It's not one off. We hope that, I'm sure, many of you have started yesterday and the day before. And many will start today as well. The process of healing. I will never deny it. I will never repress it. And part of it is to proclaim God is good. Because when I proclaim the opposite, I close all the doors of heaven. Because He is the God of mercy, and His mercy endures forever. And gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. God is good for His mercy endures forever. The two assumptions were wrong. If you are still believing these two assumptions, please correct them. And ask the Holy Spirit to re-correct them in your mind and in your heart to see a different past, present and future. Because Christ is able to change my past, my present and my future. Let us now see the reality of the whole story. To see how to see His goodness. Sometimes I feel it's just a verse. But what is the reality of this goodness? The brief of the story what we read now in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 man was created with authority in his hands because God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over every creature and we had it and Adam had it but the sad part of the story he lost it says in Luke chapter 4 verse 6 this is the temptation of the Lord the devil is trying to trap the Lord in the same trap Adam was trapped. But thank God, we have the victory in him. Man lost the authority. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you. Man sold his authority. St. Ignatius of Antioch said, Man has been created with the potential to be mortal or immortal through obedience or disobedience. Man sadly said, choose in Adam and Eve, disobedience. We lost the dominion. We lost the authority. And the devil has taken over his authority. All this authority I will give it I will give you, and their glory for this has been delivered to me by the hand of the first Adam. And I give it to whoever I wish. This is a lie. But at least he has the authority. You know always the words of the devil in the Bible It's a mixture between truth and lies He never said the truth And he never said only a lie Because he is always very clever in mixing lies with truth As he did with Eve and in many other occasions So the reality of the story I have been created with a full authority I lost it and I gave over this authority to the enemy and this is what we said in the liturgy. And better say, Holy, 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 truly, O Lord our God, who formed us and created us in the paradise of joy, with full authority. When we disobeyed your commandments by the guile of the serpent, we fell from eternal life and were exiled from the paradise of joy. Now we are living in the land of exile, where the authority has been taken over from me and from you and given to the enemy. This is the status after the fall and before the second Adam. 
and his redeeming actions in the cross, in his resurrection and his ascension. But thank God didn't stop here. He was St. Paul is telling us something happened to give us the right to have the authority once more. Second Corinthians chapter five verses let us take Job first. Job in his agony and his cry he was looking for someone. He was saying, Nor we were nor is there any mediator between us who may lay his hands on both of us. We need a human divine person to put his hand on heaven and on earth. The incarnation of the Son of God made this mediation between man and God. And this mediator has come to make this reconciliation, to restore the lost dominion. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. It's not he was upset from us, it is vice versa. We were not reconciled because we are the ones who, who sinned. Christ came and became man like us to reconcile us back to the Father, to the Holy Trinity. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation to proclaim His goodness, to receive His forgiveness, to offer His forgiveness to others. And to tell myself, I am reconciled now with the Father, with the Holy Trinity, because Christ has made it for me. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Not vice versa. It's not God upset from me, not God annoyed from me. It is, we have lost this reconciliation. And we can't make it, as we said yesterday and the day before. He accepted to take flesh and to take us back, to reconcile the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses, because he is ready to forgive them on the cross, to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now I am reconciled. And if again I see this great reconciliation between me and heaven, how much easier it will be to reconcile myself with my brother, my sister, my parents, my offender, my abuser, whoever he is, and myself as well. Why? <clears throat> because he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Sometimes we are blaming God in a spiritual matters. Why you left me to sin? He didn't feed you to sin. He gave you the choice and he gave you the free will and he will never get it back from you. St. Harry of Poitiers said something quite nice. He said, the perfect gift God has given us is the free will. If you really submissive to Him, to be the perfect sacrifice to offer to Him, is your free will again. I'm not here to do my will. Christ said, it is not my will, but your will. To say, from now on, man has the right to give his will back to Christ. But by his will. He is not going to take it from me, but by my will, I surrender to him. So, now the ministry of reconciliation has been done. And he's telling me, don't blame God in any spiritual aspect as well. Some of us are blaming God for losing some spiritual fathers, for not finding some spiritual father, or from some problems in the church. God is totally away from this. 
It is our choices. It is our own free will. With it, we choose to be in the right direction or in the wrong direction. Then, what is the current situation? If I have the dominion lost in the first Adam, Christ came and reconciled us to the Father. And He restored the lost dominion once more. These two verses are very important. First John chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. We know, we know it means it's a fact. Sometimes we don't know it well, but we have to know it as a fact. We know that we are of God. <clears throat> those who are reconciled, those who have been baptized, those who have received this forgiveness and able to live this new life. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked men. There's two facts here. We are of God, but the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So, am I victorious or am I defeated? And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus Christ. This is a true God and eternal life. The second two facts. Yes, the first one, we know that we are of God. Because we are of God, the second part is not in us, not for us. And the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. But by your choice, by your free will, you have chosen to be, as he said in, in verse 20. But we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding and we know Him who is true and we are in Him. So by your repentance, by receiving the forgiveness, by being in Him, able to forgive yourself and others, you are in Christ and this wickedness or this world which lies under the way of the wicked one has no authority over me anymore. But I am suffering from my past. I suffered a lot because I was under the sway of the wicked one. But why are you extending this sway of the wicked one? You can end it today. You can end it at any time you want to end it. And you choose to be once more in the true God. But we are in Him who is true who is always victorious, who is leading us in a triumphal walk. Always, as St. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 2.14. And this is exactly what St. Paul confirmed and affirmed in Ephesians 6.12. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood four times, he mentioned against, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's why I need to be in Him. We may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true. I think it's a very simple and powerful meaning of the Eucharist. I'm in Christ over this dominion of the sway of the wicked one. In Christ, I'm victorious because those whom I'm wrestling with were, have been defeated by the Lord. He said in Colossians chapter 2, He disarmed His enemies. This enemy who is, whom I can see, who is very powerful, but has been disarmed because I am in Him. 
who is true, Jesus Christ. So when we say it's a journey, it's a very joyful journey. But you can't make it alone. And no one of us can make it alone. We need to be always in Him to walk this triumphal walk. Let me remind you of day one again. When we came to church and we renounced the devil. The church is telling us now we will stand and we pray in the, facing the east to say we are in a war. And this war is 24-7. It doesn't matter if you failed or you have been defeated once or twice or even thousand times in the past. Be in the position of war and stand firm as in day one you face the west and you renounce the devil and you face the east and you profess Christ. The truth that you choose to be in, do it again. When you pray in your room, when you pray in the church, when you pray whenever it is. You are in this war position to say, I am in the truth. I am in the victorious Christ. I am still renouncing the enemy. It doesn't matter what has been done in my past. The truth is able to reconcile me, to restore everything. I am here to proclaim His goodness. He gave me this choice once more. As first Adam has the potential to choose life and death, I have the same choice today. I can choose life or death for me and for my descendants as well. So we pray always that when we come before Him, we need to declare His goodness. Because again, we open the doors of mercy for myself, not for anyone else. Maybe the Lord is convicting us, or the Holy Spirit is convicting us for many times, who said God is not good enough. He's good for others, but not for me. But it's time to proclaim His goodness for me and for me personally. But be in this war position, renouncing the enemy and proclaiming that you are in Christ. You will never give up. I'm not blaming God anymore. I'm not blaming anyone, whoever he is. I'm not giving them excuse as we explained last night or the day before. But in the same time, I am joyful in this new life. Be sure that God's plan, his desire, salvation for all. All to come to know him. But what happened is the distraction because the world has been under the sway of the wicked one. But thank God that he is giving me the authority to tremble on serpent and scorpions. And nothing will harm you. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Nothing will harm you because from now on you know your authority over your enemy. You know your victory over your enemy. And he has no more power over your life. May the glory of Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now and forever and ever.